Hello, friends, and welcome to the Story Forge podcast, where we believe making things matters. I'm Lyle Smith, your host. I'm a writer, a storyteller, a professional marketer, and an occasional journalist. But that's not why I'm here for you today. I'm here to share and hopefully inspire you with yet another story of someone making something that makes the world a better place. Uh, I apologize. I, you can hear me. I'm still a bit um, congested from living in Plague House last week, but I'm getting better. I'm on the mend. Uh, and today we have what I think is a really cool conversation. Sung Woo uh, is a friend and a writer whose third novel, titled Skin Deep, was released this year in the midst of the COVID pandemic. Uh, he's got two more books in the pipeline and has established himself as a unique voice among his literary peers. Skin Deep, this is the new book, is a fresh take on, on the hard-boiled detective story first established by giants of the forum, like Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler. Uh, Siobhan O'Brien's boss just passed away unexpectedly. Even more unexpected in his will, he left his detective agency to his junior agent. Sure, Ed didn't really have anyone to leave his gumshoe legacy to, but she really had no idea why, and even less expectation that something like this would happen. Siobhan, a Korean-American immigrant adopted as a child, given the most Irish of names, has been engaged to find the missing college freshman daughter of an old friend, specifically the younger sister of her best friend. There's history and conflict between client and detective, challenges by campus revolutionaries, and interaction with the daughter of one of the wealthiest men in the world. It's a terrific read, but my conversation with Sung is more about the author himself. You see, Sung is a Korean immigrant transplanted to New Jersey as a 10-year-old. He grew up from the son of a shopkeeper at Monmouth County's Peddler's Village into an Ivy League-educated writer of fiction. His own journey from the Far East to where he stands today is compelling and inspiring and funny, and he's humble and amusing, and it was a terrific conversation. Uh, he delivers his own unique insight into today's world, where just being Asian during a global health crisis that spread originally from Wuhan can be enough of a challenge all by itself. He talks about his process, what led him to become a writer, and what's next for him. Uh, as I said, it was a great conversation that I'm going to share with you now. Uh, so, hey, how are you? I am doing good. Thank very you. Very good. Very good. Tell me, tell me where you are these days. I am in uh, Washington, New Jersey, uh, in Warren County, which uh, I have to specify because I think there's like five Washingtons in New Jersey. <laughs> there are a few. I know that there are at least yeah. two that I know that I've been to. Yeah, um, their uh, town name. So I'm in Warren County, about 15 minutes away from the Pennsylvania border. Very good. Very good. It makes me happy to talk to a fellow New Jersey native from time <laughs> to time. Uh, it anchors me back into into my my heart. I think um, we miss you. <laughs> <laughs> I miss I miss it. I miss you. I miss I miss the state from time to time. I got to tell you, it's funny. It's it's. Uh, I tell people, you know, down here uh, in Florida, you know, you talk to people and, and they'll give you the, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean this, you know, salty language or something like that. And I just laugh and I say, oh, don't worry. I'm from Jersey. All my favorite words have four letters. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so, um, 
so anyway, um, we're going to wander around a bit, but, but I was, I was looking, I literally, I just this morning, uh, picked up a copy of skin deep. Uh, to, so I, I, I will admit that I have not finished it. I just started, I started flipping through it because I found it, you know, I haven't, I haven't read the new one, so I'm, I'm gonna, I gotta get into it. Um, so that's, that's the latest of your, of your efforts in, in the literary world, eh? Uh, it, it is, yeah. Uh, that's my third novel. Um, although it's not actually, it's technically my fourth because I wrote a, the third before it, I think, mm -hmm. which isn't out yet. Um, oh, okay. But uh, I've since written a fifth, which is actually the follow up to Skin Deep. Oh, cool. So I've written a, a sequel. It's the first sequel I've ever written. And nice. Maybe the last sequel I write. <laughs> is that is it hard? Is it hard to write a sequel, or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I it's legit, legitimately, it is harder for me at least. Um, uh, mostly because I, I kept uh, having this fear of having written like the same thing in the other book. Right. Many times I had to like flip to the book, saying like, did, did I mention? this particular trait of my main character like what should I and if I if so is it okay to mention it again because even if I did mention it, it you know it's it'll be like a year or two since the person read it so maybe they won't even remember I, I don't know I wonder about that because I I remember reading like for I'm not big my wife is big on on reading series you know and I, and I told you we were, we were just watching a couple of the uh, they were British productions of Harlan Coben's oh, yeah. uh, stuff, and they're all in series and 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 based on either standalone books or series books, and and so they have that same kind of thing. And I remember reading like the Harry Potter series, and I remember reading in each book you'd have sort of a reintroduction of the characters. And I, having read it and not been in tune with series, I thought, oh, oh, this is her introducing the character to me again as if I hadn't read the other book <laughs> you know so that she's it's like okay let me just make sure this needs to be readable by by both people who are reading them all and by people who are reading just picking this one up the fourth book for the first time it's absolutely true yeah you have to think of these other uh, facets of <laughs> the sequel that I never had to deal with with uh, any other books. So, so that was a challenge. Um, and, uh, but I mean, you know, basically I, I wrote this follow-up because I, I had to, because it was a two book uh, contract. So. Well, that's, that's good right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, I mean, it, good in the way that it forced me to write a second one. Right, right. But it was harder writing this one than the first, uh, without question. Really, that's interesting. Yeah, I never, yeah. Thought, of, I never thought about that really because it's uh, you just think you know again not not being really a series reader like we're watching also the uh, the uh, Wheel of Time uh, thing which is that Robert Jordan series oh, Jordan. that, that yeah. my my wife and her entire family are were addicted to the books when the books were coming out and now they're addicted to the the show and I'm you know I enjoy you know the fantasy genre a little bit but i'm not i'm not hooked into it like the way they are 
So they're, uh, oh, you have to read this, you know, it's, it's, and it's, and I'm like, how many, how many books are in this series? This is 14 of them. I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing my mind. Those books and, are like, they're, they're tomes, all of them. And they're big. Yeah. I mean, they said, here, read the first one. Her, for, for my father-in-law said, here, read the first one. And I started reading it and I got a couple hundred pages into it. And he said, yeah, it's not, it's a little slow to start, but by the time you finish the first book, the rest of the series is really great. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to invest 900 <laughs> pages into getting started, yeah. <laughs> but, but they love it. So, you know, I have to give it a shot and try reading. I've, I've watched the show. So now I'm, you know, I kind of, I kind of get it a little bit now. So maybe, maybe I need to do it reversed. You know, yeah. I hate, I hate doing that, but uh, so what's so skin deep is is uh, I have to ask you about this because this is this is the uh, in the setup when you when you read the the literature about it is it's it's basically a, a Korean American detective basically yep. uh, named Siobhan O'Brien yes right which strikes me as unusual yes yeah, now, yeah. Not, not having read the book without and without revealing too much. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah. It's actually a, a fairly uh, straightforward explanation. She was adopted. Oh. She is what uh, is known as a transracial adoptee. So she is a Korean-born woman, but she was adopted by a uh, an Irish father and a Norwegian mother. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she has a brother who was also adopted, and he's African-American. And his name is Sven. Oh, that's funny. That's her funny. name is Siobhan. So you can imagine who got to name her and who got to name that. And uh, but it's you know it's interesting. So it's it's it, it made me want to immediately pick up the thing and find out what's going on. So uh, and and how it how, not not so much out of curiosity for the explanation of the name, but like how what part does that play in the character and 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 the story and how does that go down the line? So I'm looking forward to that. I don't want you to reveal too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, more than anything, it just causes confusion for people uh, <laughs> when people first meet her and they have heard her like on the phone or got an email from her. They're a little shocked at the person who stands in front of them. Right. Uh, and it can also, in, in a way, uh, so and, you know, mostly for kind of humorous purposes, I suppose you could say that. Sure. They, you know. um, but um, but you know, more than anything, I mean, for me, the even though that the name might be a kind of a a, a goofy thing, um, she, she is still a detective. And, yeah. And 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 she still. At the end of it all, no matter what her name may be, people respect her because she gets the job done and she knows what she's doing. Right. Yeah. So, what made you what made you want to write a detective story? I love uh, detective I, stories, by the way. So, it's, yeah, yeah, I've wanted to write one for a very long time. Uh, I actually wrote the first part of this book in 1994. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, when I was a senior uh, in college, and it was my um, it was my final project for uh, seminar in writing, which is like a creative writing class, uh, the, the last one that you can take. Mm -hmm. So I, I started the book then, uh, and, and some parts of that book still actually exist in this final version. Oh, that's um, not much, but but the, the 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 basic 
gist of it actually is the same is a girl disappears from her dorm room. Okay. So, so the yeah. idea, the idea held up the, the core, the, sort of the skeleton of it kind of held up. A absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always wanted to write about, uh, there's this little women's college that I was uh, friendly with, with some of the, the gals there. Um, I went to Cornell in Ithaca, New York, mm -hmm. and there's a women's college, which is no longer a women's college, but when I was there, it was called yeah. Wells College in Aurora, okay. New York. Yeah. So that college is kind of what I wrote about in this novel. Cool. Yeah. That's yeah. neat. That's we have, you know, it's funny, all those, all those colleges, that college experience too. I mean, I went to Villanova outside of Philadelphia and there we have, you know, there, everywhere you look, there's, you can't throw a stone without hitting a school building. <laughs> and um, so, you know, Villanova was one, St. Joe's was one, they were the bigger Catholic, Catholic universities there actually, but there were also uh, uh, Rosemont and, um, uh, Bryn Mawr and there mm. were, you know, uh, Cabrini. I'm not sure. Cabrini was was co-ed, I think, when I was there, but it was, I think, it was an all-girls school at one point. And uh, so there were a bunch of them, and there was a whole like, um, sort of cultural community amongst the the, the colleges nearby each other, uh, which, yeah. which kind of makes sense, really. Yeah, you know, everybody's the same age uh, with the same interests in some things, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so it makes sense that they'd all be hanging out together um cool uh so that came so skin deep came out uh, at least according to my uh my amazon amazon download uh in 2020 so it came out during the pandemic uh it did yeah did that, did that impact that that affect you on your end or was it well in progress before that um, it like a hundred percent affected the way I had to deal with, uh, like pro promoing the book right. and doing any kind of press for it. Yeah. Right. I was, um, basically all done through zoom, mm. yeah. uh, which, uh, that was not the way it was done with my first novel or my second. So yeah. it, it was different. Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't. Even when I knew, because I, I think I knew the book was going to be coming out uh, in, in 2020, like in 2018 or 2019. And I never really had um, like great expectations of, of like taking things on the road because I did that for the second book. And even though it was good, like, you know, it gets tiresome after a while. Right, right. And, and I honestly, I don't know how much it really helps uh, to visit bookstores and libraries and, and such. Certainly, it helps maybe, you know, for that day when a few people right. show up right. or whatever. But, like, you know, this whole thing is all about selling the book. And it, it seems like there's probably a better way of selling the book than actually physically making an appearance. Yeah, I wonder about that. I remember reading once years ago, they asked, um, it, was, it was an interview with um, Stephen King. And he, they, somebody, somebody, he said, somebody had asked him, you know, oh, what a great life you have. You know, you're, you're an author, you come out and, and at, a, at a book signing, I think it was in New York, probably, you know, a big deal book signing in a big city. 
and they had a, a, a line around the block and he, he just kind of laughed and he said, you know, it's funny. It's, um, you got to understand. Yeah. I, I am really, truly uh, grateful for what's going on here and, <laughs> and I appreciate it probably more than, you know, <laughs> this is not the way it normally happens for most people. Uh, <laughs> this is just really, really lucky and fortunate for me. And, you know, cause it's like most, most authors don't show up and have this kind of a turnout and this kind of a, you know, sales and stuff like that. It's, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of shoe leather and, you know, um, just trying to get the word out to enough people to, you know, to buy it and be interested. And uh, Ellis, you know, you know, I have uh, two stories about Stephen King and, 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 and books. One is somebody, I can't remember who it was. One of my friends went to one of these uh, events where he was actually uh, there. And yeah, there were, it's like a line snaking out of course, the, the, the bookstore, yeah, all yeah. these people wanting to not only see him, but to have it like, you know, signed a book. And right. But from what my friend said, I remember he said it, it was actually just kind of sad because all he did a, after his reading is he just sat in like this corner and he was like this little machine that just kept signing book after book after book yeah. he was doing it for like an hour right and like right. my goodness and he couldn't really have any time to even like barely say hello to whoever came up to him because you know otherwise i'll be there all night so right. yeah it was almost like looking at somebody who like works at a factory it's funny how he described it that's and really yeah, funny yeah yeah <laughs> I was thinking I was going to get to this question later, but it's uh, the the talk, the idea of you know where art meets commerce, and this this is even different than that. This isn't just about like you know how do you how do you turn your artwork into into something that sells. This is actually being part of the the uh, the production line itself. Mm. I mean, signing book after book as it goes out the door, you know, and of course he gets a, a royalty on each one of those books and all that kind of stuff, but. It's that's a it's an odd it's it's got to feel weird you know it's got to feel weird doing it that way I'm sure and you know there is a price exacted on having this kind of fame and this success I have a feeling he's much happier when one of his books just becomes a movie or a TV series and he doesn't yeah. have to do much it's <laughs> funny I always had this picture of him and I you know I was I, I've read some I have I'm not a passionate Stephen King reader I, I read I've read well, numerous of his books, but I, you know, it's like some people read them all as soon as they come out and all that kind of stuff. Okay. I but I, I'm not one of those guys, but I do read his books. I like them. And I'm always amazed at how much he puts out the, 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 the number of books, the amount of, the number of pages he's able to put out in any given year. Yeah. Uh, and I always had a picture of him sitting in front of a typewriter with like a big newspaper roll of paper. <laughs> on top and it's just like type 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 rip okay next one dot, 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 dot. next one you know and <laughs> so i always had this picture of him as kind of a um you know uh, just turn him around over and over again kind right. of. Yeah, yeah. again like a machine right you know, yeah. well because the joke the joke on him and, and a lot of those guys who who put out so many books is that you know it's all the same book it's just different names and different setting whatever <laughs> Of course, it's of course it's not, and it's a whole much more, much much more complicated than all of that. Um, um, 
but you know there you know some of these guys like the harlan cobins uh that i like very much yeah um a lot of them do kind of have a formula to it you know and it's it's right. you know and you can see it and there's a lot of good in them anyway you know it's cool <laughs> Totally. Um, I actually was one of the people who did read everything that Stephen King wrote oh, funny. And read it when it came out. I, I did that all the way up to a book called The Dark Half. And mm -hmm. this was probably like right around when I was going to college. Right. So, yeah, I, I, up to that point, I'd read every one of his books. Right. Uh, and and I, I adored them. Um, and yeah, I mean, certainly... You you certainly see themes coming up that are basically alike, um, and and characters that seem kind of echo one another. But right. I think that's you know it's that's basically just indicative of just the way Stephen King sees the world. Sure, and sure. Well, and, avoidable. But you know, any any anybody, you live your life and you go out and you're going to see a lot of people. You're going to interact with a lot of people who are. You know, oh, that person reminds me of so and so, or that person yeah. reminds me of so and so, or that that story. I heard a story like that somewhere else. So there, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of that. I mean, you you'd have to go to, uh, you know, Charles Dickens to to get the number of totally independent, unique, you know, <laughs> half page characters uh, yeah. out of one writer. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember reading about a guy who he did his, I think it was his PhD thesis, uh, where he went and basically did a, a, a catalog of every character in Dickens' work. <laughs> and it's, it, was, it was one of those, it was like a thousand pages. It was this huge thing. And he did a little, a little profile on each and every character because almost, and he said, you know, so many of them, there, he said, there aren't that many that are just throwaway characters they're all sort of fully realized in one way or another yeah and uh I said, that's really wild because he, he talks about um david copperfield and how there's a scene in david copperfield where david is walking away from home and he's kind of he's kind of finding his way to where he's going and he stops in this town and he has no place to stay and he goes in this store and he meets the guy who owns and his old big old guy smoking in in this shop that who sort of helps him. He might be preying on him. You can't tell right away. And he has this whole interaction with this guy. And then he goes on his way. And then David goes on his way to the next place. And, but you know everything you need to know about the shop owner to know him as a character. Huh. And it's only about two pages. Wow. You know, and it's like, holy cow. And, and he never shows up again. It's never shows up in the, in the, in the book again. <laughs> and David Copperfield's a substantial book too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, wow, that's just so wild. And that was just one example he gave. I'm like, geez, huh. that's wow. that's crazy. So um I'm gonna so the pandemic affected your uh it was more like the production and the and the publicity of the book than than the uh than the writing of it. Yes, yes. I mean I did certainly write during the pandemic, right? But it was no different than before the pandemic yeah well that's the nice thing about being a writer you need a desk and a keyboard and that's about it, it it's true i mean there are some writers it seems like it, it really did help them to be more isolated yeah uh, and to have this time I, I i wish that were the case for me it didn't it didn't work out that way for me <laughs> I, I was just as disappointed with my output during the pandemic as i was before it so. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's uh, oh god that's funny uh nick hornby writes about that nick hornby uh, writes about his little office he has in town that he goes to uh pretend to write <laughs> <laughs> yes i can relate and i'm like i, I kind of get that you know because writing you know if you look up in in the uh thesaurus uh writer it's gonna be equated with procrastinator <laughs> you know um so I want I want to go back because I uh, everything Asia, mm. right? Is uh, that's that's your, it was your first book that came out that uh, you know I, I read it when it came out and I, I loved it. It's terrific, interesting story, um, fascinating characters, uh, sort of charming, compelling characters. I thought, mm -hmm. and oh. um, but I'm going to ask you the hated question because there's there's um, autobiographical elements in that story. I'm not going to say it's an autobiography because that's easy and cheap and that's what everybody would do. Uh, and they would just equate, oh, well, he's just writing about his life. But, um, but some of that is true in that you came, you came to America as a 10 year old. Yes. Uh, I came to America as a 10 year old. Yep. That's right. From Korea. <clears throat> so yeah. your, so your story, your personal story is an immigrant story. Hmm. Yep. Um, so tell me about that. How did, how did you end up, you know, why did your family come from Korea to America? Um, my family came, <clears throat> uh, separately. My father came here first. So he came, I think he left the country around 73 or 74. It was right around the gas crisis. Okay. So I think that was the time period. And, uh, initially he actually, fled to Japan. And I actually use the word fled because it's correct. Wow. He fled the country uh, because like his business went bankrupt. And back then in Korea, if you went bankrupt, they would put you in like debtor's prison. Oh, so. well, speaking of Dickens. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Right. So he, he, uh, he got the hell out of Dodge. Um, I don't, I don't know the particulars, I, and I probably should ask my mom before it gets too late to find <laughs> out more of the interesting uh, <laughs> pathways he took. Anyway, he, he left to Japan, and then he made his way to America in, like, the mid-late 70s. Okay. And I believe he was working with his younger brother who was already there and who was actually in the country illegally. My father was an illegal alien for like a while, uh, a yeah, good, yeah. I don't know, seven years, if not longer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, me, uh, my two older sisters and my mom joined him in 1981. Okay. By that time he has had established a store, not unlike the one that's in the book. Right. Um, uh, definitely this novel is heavily autobiographical. Right. I mean, right. Absolutely it is. Um, and, you know, I think you find this with first novels. A lot of people end up. Yeah. You, well, there's, that's true, but it's not, you know, it's, it's one of those things because it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This, again, the skeleton, you know, sort of, sort of the basics of it are there. And that's because yeah. you write what you know. Right. And then, uh, but then you have to make a story of it that people are going to be interested in. Um, Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Which is why I always say, like, anything that really happened that seemed interesting did not happen in real life. <laughs> Guarantee you that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so then um, it, my, my, uh, our family worked at that store. And that was really how I grew up uh, until I left for college. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. it's our story. <laughs> it's an interesting story. And I wonder, you know, given how, how things have gone in this country over the past several years, um, a really compelling immigrant story like yours, hmm. uh, not to mention an Asian story like yours. Um, how, what has your experience been with that kind of a background in today's America? Uh, hmm. You know, by and large, I lead a fairly um, oblivious existence. <laughs> I always have. <laughs> um, and I, I'm often not really reminded of my outsiderness uh, unless like something happens. Right. <laughs> and, right. and very infrequently do things happen to such a degree that I'm like awoken by, <laughs> right. by my otherness. Uh, but it has happened from time to time, certainly. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I don't know if, I don't feel as if I have had any great advantage or disadvantage to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, seems like when I look at the list of books that are out there, like I see plenty of Asian folks or Asian American people doing very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorts of things. Um, and I also see like other people of color and also I see plenty of white folks doing really well too. Right, so I, yeah. I, I don't really see any kind of a great uh, uh, schism, I don't know if that's the word, um, in, in the book industry, but I'm sure there is. You know, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, not just not just in the book industry, but just in, in general life. I mean, you know, because we've had we've had a lot of, of for example, I have uh, a couple of friends I was thinking about as I was writing up some of my notes for this who uh, were who Jewish. And they talk to me often about how concerned they are with the uh, increase in anti-Semitic events in America over the last several years. And they're like, they, they, they get really worried about things. Um, and I know there, at, at one point there was um, sort of an anti-Asian tone oh, yeah. going Definitely. around uh, in the last few years. And, you know, not to mention, uh, you know, Hispanic, Latino, South mm-hmm. of the South of our borders, mm-hmm. uh, peoples, uh, are notoriously targeted as, you know, or de- uh, demonized in one way or another. Uh, so, you know, I wonder, having, you know, been raised um, in the family I was raised in, where I came from, you know, I don't have that. I've been, you know, I, Irish need not apply goes back to the 18. 18- 50s uh, and never impacted me personally so I don't have any understanding of it um so I wonder you know that's all so that's why I asked yeah no that's a very good question especially in light of what has happened since (laughs) all the things with COVID especially at the beginning of it um there were many stories of Asian people being targeted uh and uh, I know it actually affected some of my friends uh who live in the city Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's just the the funny thing is 
maybe it's where I live. Uh, yeah. Because I live in a rural town. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it, certainly there are more conservative people here uh, than there would be in the city, but there's also just less people. <laughs> yeah, period. That's true. So I really, um, I, I personally have not um, felt any uh, kind of like overt prejudice in the last couple of years, any more than I have in the past. Right. But maybe I've just been lucky. Yeah. And then, so I'll, I'll make a, a slight shift because, <laughs> because you are who you are and your background is what it is. Um, you know, are you identified as a Korean author or, or do you identify yourself as an American author or do you, uh, you know, for me, I read your stuff and I'm like, these are just great stories. I want to read them. But I wonder if, if you identify one way or if that impacts, you know, how you do what you do. Yeah, uh, I, I would definitely classify myself as a Korean American author. Yeah. Um, just because I have written about Korean Americans, so it's really just kind of unavoidable. Uh, right. And uh, and that's like a, a, a feature and and not a bug. Um, I I seem to require a Korean character in just about everything I've ever written. Um, it's kind of like a grounding mechanism. Uh, right. They don't have to be the leading character, and then often they're not. Um, but it just helps to have the Korean anchor. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, and also um, even though I, I don't, huh? That lens on the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and even though I don't write anything uh, political, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not just, I'm not that type of a writer. I'm, I'm not smart enough to write that kind of stuff anyway. Um, it, it, so, like, you know, in, in that regard, maybe I am not like a, a, a true Korean American writer. I think the real Korean American writers write about the Korean experience, and right. I, I mean, I only write about what I know right. <laughs> or what I what I would well, like to what I pretend to know. So. Right, right. Well, which is why I probably the way I respond to it is, "Geez, it's just a good story," and that's why I like it. You know, it's it's. I don't want to oversimplify, but um, you know, that's that's why you pick up a book in the first place. Is is it's you, you, the the prospect that you're going to enjoy you know, a good tale. Yes. Um, you know, with my second novel, A Love Love, uh, that one also has two Korean characters at the center, a, mm -hmm. a brother and a sister. Mm -hmm. But I remember my, one of the, I think it was my agent at the time who said like, you know, after reading your book, it seems as if this could have been about any uh, person and not exactly a Korean American right. sibling. And that's exactly right. That's it's, it's, it's as it should be. I mean, it's, it's you know, at, at the core of it, it's like we're all pretty much the same anyway. It's, it's so, a human, yeah, well, it's a human story, not just a Korean yeah. story or, you know, an yeah. Irish story or, a, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, well, and that's 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 how you, yeah, that's how you, <laughs> that's how you get an audience. <laughs> people need to, people need to feel connected in some way. Okay. <laughs> uh, and if they don't, that's a problem, you know, and if, that's, if you don't, that's how you end up with violence against people who aren't like you, because uh, they can't connect. Yeah. Right. So yeah. 
Um, so what was it like? You, you came here at 10, you, you enrolled in school, uh, language skills at the time were uh, almost non-existent. I, I knew the alphabet and I could count from one to 10. Um, but, but I came here young, you know, I was yeah. 10. Yeah. I, I, I entered third grade. I came here in February of 1981 and I entered third grade at that point. So I guess I spent just three or four months in third grade. Okay. Um, I never actually thought about that, but I think that's what it must have been. Yeah. 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 I, I remember um, <laughs> when I came in, I think the principal was like pretty adamant on like, we need to put him in first grade <laughs> because he couldn't speak at all. Right. And, and then Somehow somebody convinced him like that's like <laughs> that's not a good thing to do. It's not gonna help. Yeah. Um, really old by the time he's like, you know, fifth grade or something, he'll have a mustache. I don't know. So, <laughs> so, so uh luckily um I was put in a third grade and uh and I just had like intensive uh at that point it was known as ESL, English as a second language. Right. Uh, right. I spent, I remember if and the only classes that I went to outside of ESL uh, were math, because mm. I could do math, yeah. <laughs> to universal language. <laughs> and I think gym. <laughs> I think that was it. Yeah. Oh, man. Man, a lot. Yeah, I wonder, because we have, uh, my son has, like I said, is in sixth grade. He has a, a new girl, young girl, uh, moved into his school, his class, and she's uh, from Brazil. So she speaks Portuguese, very little English so far. So she has basically a translator with her, I think, at the wow. moment, uh, which is a whole nother level of whatever. So I'm like, you know, we're like, okay, be nice to her. Always help her, with, help her <laughs> where you can. Maybe you can pick up a couple of words of Portuguese, um, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's hard enough to be the new kid uh, without being the new kid who can't speak English. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how did how that go? How long did it take you to feel sort of normal, if that's the right word? Um, I think by fifth grade, I was pretty integrated. Right. Uh, I remember because I got in trouble with one of the teachers, and when, <laughs> when I think back, like what if about I'm talking universals, back, right? I'm talking back at the teacher. <laughs> I right. probably am at that point pretty comfortable with the language. Good, 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 good. But by, by that point, you're making you have friends and you're you know people you're hanging yeah. out with and you know yeah you're like one of the gang at that point. That's good. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. interesting because that's a whole that's a whole experience that you know um, we kind of we, we like to throw the word you know the immigrant experience around a lot, but that's to to really sort of again, internalize it and understand what that means, mm -hmm. you know, it takes a little of a, a little examination for those of us who didn't have to go through anything like that. So. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, I, I mean, I got off really lucky though, if you think about it, whatever I think of the immigrant experience, I actually think of, of my mom, Yeah, you know, who's still right. around and she came here when she was 40. Wow. <laughs> How's she doing? How old is she now? She's she is, let's see, she's born in 1940. She's 
82, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. My mom was 42. She's 79, just turning 80. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that is crazy what, sh what she did. <laughs> like, I always think to myself, like, had I been in her shoes, no way I would have come here. Yeah, I mean, that's, no a, that's a real thing. I mean, that's, you know, you talk about, you know, the American dream and making a better life and all that kind of stuff. It's, 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 those are all slogans. It's, it's, yeah. it's work to do that. It's, totally. it's, it's a chance to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So, but, so you end up, but any, at any rate, you end up uh, public school? Yes, yeah. I went to Ocean Township High School. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I'm not Ocean Township, but I do a public school kid. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you go through the public New Jersey public schools and you end up uh, at um, uh, in an Ivy League. Right, went to Cornell. Yep. So uh, that's, you know, something, you did something right. That's for sure. Uh, I, yeah, I, basically, I was able to do the schoolwork, thank God, and uh, and have a good core group of friends who were also smarter than I was. Um, I, I was always one of my like big advice from my mom is, whatever your friends are, make sure they're smarter than you. So oh, really, that's not bad advice, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's very good advice. Yeah. I always felt stupid and bad, but. But it ended up okay. Those are the people I'm still friends with today. I was, yeah. you know, the one. It's maybe not so much the other way around. Yeah. Uh, it's that's really funny. Um, so, you know, you go through. Have you? Did you always picture yourself becoming a writer, or or what was no, your path? No. no, when I mean when I uh, matriculated uh, at. Cornell oh, um, 50 cent words right there right. um <laughs> I uh I, I was a, a material science engineering major so that I actually got into wow. the engineering school um because I you know like a, a good little immigrant son I wanted to make sure <laughs> I I, say, that's what I, Korean kids do right exactly <laughs> <laughs> Right. I had already been a disappointment because I didn't play a musical instrument, you know. Oh, so <laughs> I already missed the on, I missed out on that boat. So at least I could get out of college with a uh, a major that would, you know, make some money. But I just I couldn't do it. It was just too hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was miserable. And then I switched out and became an English major, and that's what I graduated with. Wow. Yeah. But of course, you know, as the fates would have it, <laughs> I, I end up working for a company and I'm like doing computer coding. That's what I've been doing for the last 25 years. That's really yeah. funny. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. Whatever. And so that's that's another thing. Back to art and commerce. You're like like most people. There's there, there's only a handful of Stephen Kings out there in the world. Mm -hmm. This this for a living and only this. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have a day job as well. I'm I'm less interested in the day job and more interested in how do you how do you navigate the creative work you do living a day job life? Um, I I do a great deal of compartmentalizing and uh, I do that physically. Um, I actually have a little tiny uh, secretary desk that I use and there's a laptop in there that is a very slow laptop. It barely connects to the internet. 
but all it has to do is to run Word. Yeah. And it's great because when I go into that, I when I <laughs> slide that uh, those uh, that drawer open and, and flip open the laptop, I'm in the writer mode, and it's it's a good way of blocking out everything because I can't do anything else on that laptop effectively than just write. So. Yeah. So that helps. Um, I've never been a very um, productive writer, really. Um, I, I write for about an hour uh, each day. Um, on the days that I work, I do it before I work um, in the morning. Yeah. Um, and lately, uh, because we got a, a puppy, I've been walking the dog in the morning. Um, and it's actually been very good. Uh, I'm, I'm using that time to, as a, and it's only a 20 minute walk, but during that walk, I do everything I can in my mind to clear everything out and just think about what I'm writing. Um, <laughs> and it's actually been helpful. I've been thinking about what, um, what I will be writing when I get back to the desk. And that's, it's been surprisingly helpful. <laughs> I didn't think it would be. It's, it's funny. There's, there's those little, I don't want to call them tricks because they're not. They're, they're sort of exercises or disciplines that you do that, that get you in the right space. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've found something over the last couple of years in, in my work, uh, even client work where I'm doing you know, creative work for a client. Um, a quick, embarrassing story. Uh, I, I, was, I had something due end of day yesterday that I didn't get done because I was busy with other things. And um, so Dan, if you're listening, I'm sorry. And I, and I, I just couldn't get going on it. I couldn't get the, I couldn't get it, get it going. I had all the material. I just couldn't get it going in the right direction. So before I went to bed, I just kind of closed my eyes and I thought about it and I said, okay, what's, this is, you know, I, I know the, the business I'm writing for, I know sort of the branding idea. I'm trying to, I got to come up with a line that communicates what that is for that audience. And I, I, I'm having a hard time. And I kind of, you know, without sounding overly mystical about it, it was kind of like asking the universe to let me, to let me sleep on it and say, well, <laughs> let me, let me sleep on it. If I can have my brain work on this when I'm asleep and I can wake up with, with some glimmer of an idea, um, I'll, I'll be okay. <laughs> And I have found over the last couple of years that this really works for me. It's like, wow. if, I, if, I, if I go to bed and I'm thinking about it yeah. and, and not working on it, but just sort of asking for, okay, where's it going? Open it up oh. and, and give me some ideas. And this morning I woke up and I, woke, I was in bed. I opened my eyes and I had, it wasn't the finished line, but it was a couple of, it was a couple of ideas that eventually became the finished line. Oh, that's great. And I woke up, I went to my, I didn't even get dressed. I went to my, my computer, I sat down, I wrote it down, uh, which is the key, by the way, because yeah. don't forget to write it down. Yes. <laughs> when you have a good idea, write it yes. down. Uh, and then by like 11, I had the whole thing done and off. To, oh my God. Off to Dan. Oh, but Dan, uh, you got it. I hope it's good for you. <laughs> So that's my life. But I, you know, but the walk, like you say, is just it's another way of getting your brain in the right space yeah. to work, you know. And, uh, and it, I think it, it, a lot of people forget that. They think they mm -hmm. think, you know, they just work, 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 and they 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 forget to kind of like muscles need to uh contract and expand, right? Mm -hmm. And they forget the expand part. They 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 remember the workout part, but they forget yeah. the rest part. And um, and that's where a lot of the you know all the recovery happens and all the good, mm -hmm. good ideas come. Totally. That, I think. Yeah. 
So that's cool to hear. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you, uh, like I said, I, I just got the Skin Deep book and I was flipping through it. And I, I always love the dedications in books because I'm curious because they never explain what they are. And you just kind of have to guess and fill in the blanks for yourself. But uh, I have an opportunity today. <laughs> and the dedication page on your uh, book, Skin Deep, says, uh, I jotted it down in my pencil here, so pardon my scrawl. For Diane, Heather, and Sarah, three sisters who welcomed me into the fold, and Dawn, who showed me what it means to serve with a full heart. Yeah. I, I kind of get the second part because I know Don. <laughs> and I know you. And I kind of <laughs> get that part. Uh, I'm curious about the first part. You know, welcome. Because with this whole thematic thing we've been talking about, about being an immigrant, changing where you lived, and being, you know, be becoming part of a whole new world, a whole new community. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that kind of rang a harmony for me for that. I don't know what it is or what it isn't, but that's that's what I thought of when I read it. Yeah, uh, it's a, 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 actually a, a pretty simple explanation. Those three uh, gals were the ones who befriended me at Wells College. Um, so, okay. So th this novel um, spends, it, it's kind of split. Um, it spends a significant amount of time at Llewellyn College, which is just a stand-in for Wells College. Right. And then it spends some more time at uh, this place called Krishna uh, Center for like Yoga and Health. And that's actually a stand-in for uh, Kripalu, which is this yoga uh, center in Lenox, Massachusetts. So um, Dawn actually was a very um, devoted um, member of Kripalu for many, many years. And she introduced me to that uh, wonderful place. So I, uh, I it, it was an opportunity for me to thank uh, the, the four people who introduced me and who really got me to love these two institutions. Yeah. That's cool. Because I love, yeah. I, that's why I love the dedication pages. Because even, even if I never ever get an explanation as to why the dedication is written the way it is, it could be even a couple of words. Because, you know, it's, it's always connected to people and it's always yeah. connected to a real story that's somehow connected to the work. And uh, I always find that kind of interesting. I, I love to guess at it because I know I'm probably wrong. <laughs> but, you know, what the heck? That's cool. That's cool. So, what are you working on now? You have, you said you had uh, the follow up to Skin Deep is done. It is done. Yeah, it's at the editor's hands now. It is titled Deep Roots. Uh, I guess we're oh, going with deep connections <laughs> and deep, deep roots. And, uh, and I, I, I'm satisfied with it. Dawn's reading it right now, actually, uh, the, uh, the the manuscript. Right. And, uh, and she seems to be enjoying it. This right. one takes place in, uh, what, what did I, it, it's, I'm a big fan of Downton Abbey, the show. Sure. So I, so I wanted to uh, have this thing set in a, a house like the uh, the Downton Abbey house. That's right. That's and the whole thing takes place in one place, basically. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's like this billionaire's house. And he, he's so rich that he bought his own island and he has his place there. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's so like, you can do a third one that's that's based in the music industry and call it Deep Groove. 
<laughs> I don't know. I have a feeling I'm all tapped out after this one. <laughs> no, no and more. then, did did you say you have another one that's that's done or in progress? Yeah. I what else are you working book. on? Yeah, the other book that is done uh, is titled Lines, and uh, it, this is this is kind of sad to me because. To me, it's that book is the best book I've written. I, I don't think I have it in me to write anything better, to tell you the truth. Oh, wow. It is the best thing I was being in, like nobody really wanted it. <laughs> but luckily, uh, we did find a place. Uh, it's a small um, independent publisher called uh, Unsolicited Press. Uh, I think they're in Portland. Okay. So uh, I, I think it's going to come out in 2023 or something like that. Okay. But uh it's due this May, uh, but that book is basically done. I still have to clean it up a little bit, but it's done. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, as we speak, I'm writing a screenplay because I write screenplays in between books. Um, right. I, I, I like doing it because it doesn't take very long. Um, at least it shouldn't. It, it still takes right. pretty too long, but at least it's not going to take a year. I mean, usually I can knock one out in maybe like three or four months. Right. Um, and uh, and and it's going it's going well, uh, but um, you know we'll see. <laughs> right. I don't have any hopes for this thing, uh, as I have no hopes for any of my screenplays. Uh, it's just like a palate cleanser. It's, it's right. a really nice yeah. thing to write something that is so different in form. Right. They're like know. it's a like a spec, like a spec screenplay. Yeah. 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 Everything I write is a spec script. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is um, I've written two full length screenplays. So this will be my third, but I've never written a horror one. And that's oh. what this one is. Interesting. So, yeah. I'm I'm having I'm having a good time with it so far. But you know, I have to tell you, I always have a good time with screenplays, right? at the point and where I am now, which is like coming to the end of act one. Nice. It's always the easiest act to write. Yeah. And after that, it's just a slog, but it's all right. Well, yeah, they, everything else has to resolve what you created in act one, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so do you, you figure, do you have, you know, any overarching vision in, in what you're working on or, or a, consistent voice across everything or is it or does it because do you, do, you I mean you're talking about a horror you got a mystery uh you've got a little bit of an autobiographical first novel you, you know so that is there is there a common thread through it all um i don't think so but i've never really been that ambitious of a writer to even imagine that i would have some kind of an overarching theme to my oeuvre <laughs> <laughs> No, not, not, nothing of the kind. Uh, all I know is <laughs> all I know is this. I know I have one more book in me, right? And I know what that is going to be. And cool. I have written like maybe ten percent of it. Okay. And I'll go back to that's that's what I'll be working on after I finish the screenplay. Cool. And. After that, like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. It's very hard. It's a lot of work. It's hard um, work, man. It is. I know. It, it, but it's, really you're getting it. You're doing it. And you're getting it out there. You know? And that's, yeah. that's, that's more than most of us get a chance to do. It's cool. Yes. So, yes. I even, yeah, even with my limited success at what I have done, I, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to do it. Um, I am excited about this last book, though, because it's going to take place between 
uh, late March and early April of 2020. Right, and we all know what happened then. <laughs> the whole world shut oh, down. That's interesting. I that's yeah. when I started this podcast actually. Yeah, because <laughs> right. I had time and I had no clients <laughs> who were paying for anything to get done. So I'm like, oh, remember that idea I had? Let me try that. <laughs> I had. It's yeah. funny because if you go back and look, I had a couple of people who were entertainers and musicians who I talked to, who they all lost. It, it was really, it was sort of remarkably weird. It was, they all lost all of their gigs basically for the year on Friday, March 13th. <laughs> wow. So Friday yeah. the 13th was quite literally wow. just doomsday for, for, the, for, for the year. And most of them have recovered in one way or another. Uh, yeah. And it's all good. Uh, they're all still trying. I mean, I have a, one, one person is a, a works on Broadway. So they're closed. Closed, you're closing down again yeah so that's rough um but it's you know and again the one thing that, that was sort of the commonality across all of it that i i've been kind of struck with is everybody's had sort of a, an uncannily positive optimistic attitude in all of these conversations really uh yeah nobody is nobody's been you know even even the night the person who even the woman who wrote about the 1918 pandemic was was just very positive about her work and positive wow. she was working on and yeah. um you know it's it was not you know dark and cloudy it was really it was wild so huh. um, it's well. it's been fun and i think maybe it's just because people aren't used to talking about themselves this way i don't know that could be yeah um maybe they're not used to having somebody interested in their work i don't know i i i find i find it interesting that's why i wanted to talk to people so i you're very good at it <laughs> i appreciate you saying so uh whether it's true or not uh, okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna say thanks for talking to me uh this was a great conversation i really appreciate it oh i'm gonna say thank you very much for having me and it was absolutely a pleasure Fantastic. We'll talk soon. So that was Sung Woo. Uh, interesting guy, fun guy, humble guy, uh, terrific writer. I recommend you go out and pick up his books. They're, uh, they're great reads and, and great fun. And for me, uh, whenever I write his name, I just want to go swoo! Hope you enjoyed it. Shop our store on the website at the
storyforge.com.